Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi, hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. Eddie Spaghetti is there in his perch behind the glass. In just a second here, we're going to be joined by our pal from Yahoo, the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Scott Pianowski. You got to follow him to get right for your fantasy football draft. All right, here's what we're going to do. The Major League Baseball draft was just completed. The NHL one, the NBA one, you followed those over the summertime. And, of course, the NFL was last spring. I think what we'll do to fill the month of July when very little sports are actually happening right now. How about this? We will go one through 30 by draft slot, the four major North American sports, obviously NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and we'll identify the greatest player per draft slot among those four major sports. Spoiler alert, we've already had this conversation with Scott Pianowski and it went on for quite a while. You'll be stunned to learn if you're a uh, a longtime listener of Damashek. Um, so here's how about this spaghetti? Let's go 30. We'll start at number 30 and we'll tick our way down to number 15 and then we'll stop there and then we'll give the second half of it or not or close to the second half of it next Monday. Good. I love that idea. I still think the 30 to 15 has a lot of fun debates in there. Um, I totally fine by me. And this will be a really good thing. A really, really good exercise for those uh, those fans in the dog days of the summer to listen to and really rack their brains here. So I love it. Oh, yeah. Some real juicy names drafted, obviously, in the back half of the, the first rounds of the four major sports. And then some good stuff. 14 heading down to the first overall. Um, and uh, OK, we'll do that. And. Before we get to that, though, I want to say a couple of things very quickly. One, shout out to our colleague, Megan Connolly, who gave away a kidney. Now, if that drops your jaw, get this. It was one of her kidneys. She 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 gave a kidney. And I'm not sure exactly what happened here. Eddie Spaghetti, like there's a a domino effect that she gives a, a, a kidney. She just had it removed a couple of days ago and then shipped off from Boston to a stranger. But then this sets up a sequence where there are more kidneys now available. So one is going to go to an old pal of her, something like that, whatever the specifics are. She's a human being with two kidneys and gave one of them to another human being. I mean, I can't imagine anything more heroic than that. Uh, Just wanted to give a tip of the cap to her. Um, And, uh, you know, less so to Megan Gailey. I don't think she's given any kidneys away, but shout out to to both Megans there on Megan Fun of Sports. But what a thing, Spaghetti, giving away a kidney. Yeah, as far as I know, I still have all of my organs. So uh, definitely shout out to Megan for for doing that. I, I think it is somebody that she knows and is helping out, obviously. And it's pretty crazy, too, for somebody who is slash, I guess, well, still is an athlete, uh, was in college, but still is running marathons and giving up a, a vital organ, which she says is it's fine. She could still you know continue her her running. Um, it's it's pretty wild to do that and very commendable. So, again, yeah, shout out to, to Megan. And uh, and w- uh, one other thing, uh, indulge me for a second here. I know I've uh, I've talked about my my old man a little bit uh, since I got back uh, from his funeral last week. Um, one one quick story. I, I you know I I really the silver lining of this, if there is one, is hearing from people I haven't heard from in a while, or people who I do talk to all the time, and uh, you know the recurring thought that. My, I just I didn't know that my parents, my old man, but my family meant something to my pals growing up. Obviously, you know, you know, you go over and play wiffle ball at your pal's house or you sleep over. And yeah, I remember your mom and all that. But that somehow my parents were seen as funny or fun to be around and made an impact or filled some void that they didn't have at their houses is really, uh, really surprised me in a, in a great way. And so that's been a, a nice thing. Um, to hear from all of you out there, people who have heard me tell my dumb stories about uh, my old man and my family on various podcasts. It's great to hear from you as well um, and appreciate the kind thoughts there. But uh, let's let's turn the page from that. And uh, like I say, we'll give you the second half of this conversation at the start of next week. Um, but for right now, let's get to it from 30 down to 15 the greatest player by draft slot in the four major sports in North America. 
with our pal Pianowski. Let's get to it. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Let me ask you a question, Eddie Spaghetti. Why should you bet with Caesars Sportsbook? But before you answer, two words, Caesars Rewards. Those are the two words. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. I'm talking about hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, even more than just that. It's not only an app, it's an empire. 21 plus must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or Maryland. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org or West Virginia. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, here he is, everybody. He was the first person that crossed my mind as soon as this cockamamie idea came to me. You know him from Yahoo!, buzzing and telling you all the right things and wrong things to do in the upcoming football season, fantasy-wise, on Yahoo. He's one of the great historians in sports, uh, as, in, in my opinion. And, in fact, the world at large considers him that because he's in the Fantasy Hall of Fame. He is our pal. He's Scott Pianowski. How are you, man? I'm doing great. And I love that when you come up with any cockamamie idea and my name percolates near the top of your list to get involved. Uh, that's such an honor, a great introduction. And uh, let's get silly. Let's talk about sports. Well, you know, listen, it's intended. I don't know if it's taken as such, but it's uh, intended as a compliment that uh, uh, this sure. person will react to, to my foolishness. And and that is you. Um, first, though, before we jump into this, you know, like I say, you're you're a man of uh of many tastes and opinions and everything else. First, Bruins fan. Mm -hmm. I'll say you after the Boston Bruins, the greatest regular season team in the history of people goes out in the first round of the Florida Panthers. Your emotional response. I haven't spoken with you since. Yeah, really frustrating. Uh, respect to Florida. I think maybe they drew a tough drop. You know, the first round match of Florida, who was the best team in hockey the previous season. I think a lot of people forget that. But the Bruins did have a three-run lead in the series. They had multiple leads, chances to put games away, something they were very good at during the regular season. And they set up they, – they went all in. They traded for pieces they knew they probably couldn't keep in the subsequent free agency. Now they're in cap hell. 
And it's just one of those things, right? I mean, the Warriors had that great, I think, 73-win season. They didn't win the championship. All those commemorative basketballs they were selling, nobody cared about them when they didn't win. And they, they lost in seven games to a really great Cavaliers team in a fascinating final. They also blew a 3-1 lead, but it was in the finals. The Patriots famously went 16-0, but they lose to the Giants. That sullies that season. It keeps Miami relevant, which is just so frustrating. That 72 Dolphins team, one of the most under overrated great teams in history. So it's... The thing is this, Dave, right? As a New England fan, my fandom has been paid back so many times by the Celtics right. and so many times by the Patriots and so many times by the Red Sox. I just wanted one Red Sox championship growing up. Once I got that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of the game now. Thank God the Bruins beat the Canucks. I think it was in 2011 because I, I mean, I grew up with Raymond Bork and Cam Neely and the team losing Peter Klima. The, the late Peter Klima died recently, three overtimes. Mm-hmm. The, the lights went out in Boston Garden. They lost to an Edmonton Oiler team that had Gretzky, an Edmonton Oiler team that didn't have Gretzky. The Blackhawks had that stupid thing where they scored two goals in like 18 seconds. If the Bruins hadn't won that one championship, and it feels like their bag is light, they should have three or four over this run. The fact that Bork had to skip town to get a championship kills me. But if they didn't have one, this would haunt me. I would I would feel even worse than I ever felt about the Red Sox. Because when you grow up in New England, I think I've eulogized four people in my life, both of my parents, my girlfriend's mom, and Fred Cusick, who was the local hockey announcer, who we all <laughs> we all treated like a family member. Dynamite, though. One of the great voices in that yeah, in oh, sports oh, play-by-play oh, play that so I've good. ever heard. Yeah. So good. Fred Cusick. Yeah. And, and you, of course, you know all about with, with the Penguins and Lang, you know, you, how great and, and you know, Myron Cope with the Steelers, how attached you get to your local sure. announcer. And the great thing about Fred is that the Bruins stunk, he would tell you. He wasn't, he was giving you a little extra juice if they played well, but he wasn't a blind homer who was just lying to you the whole time because, you know, New England people like to think of themselves as sophisticated. I'm talking a lot. It's frustrating. And not only that, the, the only thing that could really get you through it is like, okay, well, great. We'll run it back. We'll be great next year and win it. And they're in such cap hell. They had to let go a bunch of guys. It was just a moment in time where they built a deep defense that you really can't build in a regular season. They're going to have probably have to trade one of their goalies at Bergeron is going to retire any second now, probably Krejci too. They had a window to, put their fingerprint on the NHL DNA for all time. And they didn't even get out of the first round to a Florida Panthers team that I don't think history is going to remember that well. I, I mean, look, I, I love you. Kachuk, you're a great player, but Montour has, has proven to me he's a great player and all that stuff, but it hurts, man. It just basically, it, it takes everything you did over six months and it, it almost makes it irrelevant. It's weird too, and then we'll get to what, what, what uh, we brought you along for not to dig up some painful memories. But um, but yeah, you know, even when you do get over the hump, it's nice, but it's, you know, I always say about the Patriots dynasty or whatever you call it, the 20 years, I bet you deep down, and I think they've conceded it as much, or at least Brady has, like the undefeated season that wasn't hurts more than any glee that you got from any other one, because that was a special one. If you mm-hmm. win it. You know, I think always about the 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 ought four Steelers who the Patriots knocked off the Ben Roethlisberger rookie season, 15 and one Steelers. If they go to that Super Bowl and they, they vanquish the would be dynasty of the Patriots, then vanquish the Rams in that Super Bowl would have been tough to do. But if they had that would have been maybe you would call that the greatest team of all time. I think you would make a you could make a pretty compelling case. You never get that chance back again. And it's the 93 shot at a three at three straight cups for Lemieux's Penguins. You just ne- you you win other ones and you're happy and everything else, but you'll always lament the one you didn't get because of that singular opportunity. Three in a row is tough. And getting to go through the Blue Blanc A Rouge and then Gretzky in the final, that's just an opportunity you'll never get again, no matter what happens after that. So I feel for you. But like you say, who are you and me, Boston and Pittsburgh sports fans, to complain? We've had it better than a lot of uh, cities uh, fan bases have. So let's, under, let's underscore one other thing, too. And this goes for fandom and it goes for anything that you're competitive in. Losing hurts more than winning ever feels good. So true. So true. Yeah, it's a it's a sad part of the human condition. All right, let's 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 have fun now. Let's let's let our hair down For figurative, sure. figuratively, Scott. It's not a shot at you, but you're wearing a ball cap. Um, okay, <laughs> here's what we'll do. We'll take the four major North American sports leagues, 
and go because some of those leagues only have as many as 30 teams in them. So let's start at 30 and work our way up to one. Some of these are easy breezy um, to figure out by slot. Who was the greatest? Who is the greatest player by draft slot among the four major sports? Pretty straightforward, I think. I hope that's Mm -hmm. uh, easy to understand for everybody listening. Eddie Spaghetti, you jump in, too. I think you'll play tiebreaker if me and Scott have any... um, have any conflict here i'd like you to jump in and cast the deciding vote but let's start at number 30 and we'll work our way to the top here mm-hmm. my nominees are tj watt reggie wayne who i think will get a gold jacket probably sooner rather than later but that's not guaranteed sam huff jimmy butler mike schmidt and randy carlisle and as i read off these candidates i have sought to find at least one player from each of the four major sports just so, to make sure that they are seated in each of these 30. How say you on this one, Pianowski? Yeah, I, Huff wasn't on my list. That's an oversight on my part, but I had the rest of the guys that you do. I, Michael Jack Schmidt is the best third baseman in baseball history. I just get goosebumps thinking of Harry Callis announcing Michael uh, Michael Jack Schmidt. I, I used to clear night in New England. I'd drive around on the highway hoping to get a little Harry Callis, hoping to get a little John Miller you're hoping to get the the Mets guys, Gary Cohen and everything. So um Michael Schmidt is my guy. Mike Michael Schmidt. Mike Schmidt is my my pick. But um I again I think we were on the same page with these guys. And I agree with you. Reggie Wayne is overqualified to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's on his way. Oh yeah. He definitely gets in there. And yeah, that's a that's a thing. Do do people still do that in 2023? Dry I mean, me and my my old man, when we would go away from Pittsburgh and out to the beach, out to the East Coast somewhere, we would drive around at night looking to see if we could find Lanny for Terry and company calling the the battle in Buckos way back when. Yeah, that was a that's a special memory, but I don't know if anybody if kids still do that anymore i used to do that when i was in college too and the pens were in the playoffs like and it wasn't on national tv i would just drive around in empty parking lots trying to find the exact spot where i could hear mike lang calling the action from pittsburgh you know i i Um, almost i almost missed schmidt because he actually was a second round pick and when i originally did my query i had first round as the requirement so i i'm i'm embarrassed i didn't have huff i'm i told you that i did this list late last night and i'm petrified that i'm gonna have some really even though I have a ton of guys on my list, I don't know how we could ever talk about everybody I've listed, but I hope I haven't missed anybody better than Sam Huff. I hope that's the worst. Of Please. Yeah. I'm just reading these, but if you have ones that I've left out that are are worthy of a shout, then, then please interrupt and, and jump sure. in there, by the way, sure. what's a cool thing. One, one of the cooler historic things that I've seen in person, I saw Mike Schmidt's 500th home run in three river stadium. Um, and, I can picture because uh, so cool. the way he was reacting after he hit it, and he, and he, he hit that, did that little dance. We were on yeah, the he first did that baseline, dance. and he did that little dance. Five hundred home runs well. for Michael Jack Schmidt. Yeah, he was just so pumped, like like almost like he didn't think he was going to hit it, even though he was. And look, Philadelphia, right? Famously, they they booed Santa Claus, Mike Schmidt. You know, right. um, they're they're a tough town to 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 please. Spaghetti, young spaghetti. We got that one right. No need for a debate there. Right. I think the minute you have an all time player at a position, you pretty much have to side with that. And as good as Reggie is, I know check me and you have a relationship with him personally, but I just feel like, yeah, Schmidt, I mean, to be in the top three to five at the very least of a position, you kind of have to win that one. So he'll probably get the number 30 overall pick. Well, with all respect to Sam Huff and Reggie Wayne, if TJ Watt keeps his pace, I think he goes down as the best uh, NFLer out of that trio. And that's uh, that's saying something there. And and Number, weren't the, let me say one more thing about Reggie Wayne. Weren't the Colts so nice to Peyton Manning that they draft him? And I guess he inherited Marvin Harrison. But in the first round, they took Reggie Wayne. In the first round, they took Edger and James. In the first round, they took Dallas Clark, e- e- Donald Butler, even guys who didn't work out like Anthony Gonzalez. They were constantly stocking the fridge with first round skill talent and guys, you know, Hall of Fame talent, while the Patriots were saying, okay, I think Troy Brown's good enough for, for Tom Brady. I think Rishay Caldwell is looking good this year. I, yeah, eventually they got Moss. Eventually they got really lucky with Gronkowski, who was a first round talent, but injuries kept him out of the first round. But I think every quarterback would love to have the Peyton Manning, you know, the the stocked fridge. Cause they, that was, you know, you didn't stock a fridge in, in freshman year in college with beer the way the Colts stocked the fridge for Peyton Manning. When we when we get Peyton on this show, our boss man, we have to talk about that. I, I want to talk. I think he is the luckiest high end quarterback 
among the, you know, the top 10 QBs who benefited more, like who got, who had more weapons surrounding them from day one. He also had Marshall Falk and then he goes out and in come edge mm-hmm. in comes edge game. Then when he goes to Denver, he gets Demarius Thomas. I mean, you know, so they were, they were, um, he was pretty loaded up throughout his career. I, I didn't mention Joseph of die either. Who was another first round pick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's another good one. football player. Um, at number 29, I have down Fran Tarkenton. I think in the 21st century, one of the more underappreciated guys. It's not like I saw a ton of Sir Francis um, when I was growing up, but I saw some of him. But the thing that just jumps out at you are the numbers that he's still in his peer group, that he still is kind of near the 21st century passers in terms of yardage and otherwise. Plus, if you see the highlights, the running around, he was very Russell Wilson-y, but more dynamic, perhaps, trying to dodge the rush and scramble around and keep a play alive. So I have Fran Tarkenton, Dennis Johnson, a kind of underappreciated great on those uh, on those great Celtics 80s teams, George Brett, and then Stefan Richet. Richet makes the list only because I have to put a hockey player on there and he's the best of the lot. How say you? Yeah. I also listed um, Mike Green, Adam Wainwright and Nick Mangold, but you, you have the Tarkenton's the right guy. 1975 MVP and is basically number checked on the Mary Tyler Moore be opening, right? Uh, the sweet Mary Richards, Mary Tyler Moore is washing her car, wearing a, a Francis 10 purple Jersey. That's the ultimate endorsement of show that was, TV so much better now. TV was so much different then. But I mean, if Mary Tyler Moore's wearing your jersey, you're going to be a pretty big deal. That's it. You know, you raise an interesting question. If it's incredible, wait, that's incredible was still incredible. on the air. Would Kirk yep. Han- Kirk Cousins take over for Fran Tarkenton? He used to, I mean, that was a weird time. But then again, I guess we live in an age where Michael Strahan now hosts Good Morning America. So uh, 2023. Um, nothing on 2023 that uh, 1979 didn't have. All right. So George, so I'm going George Brett here pretty, pretty clearly, but Fran Tarkenton again, really up until 1980 would have been in the conversation for best quarterback in the history of people. Yeah, you know, you, you, you're, you're probably right. It's probably Brett. And you, you know, one thing that I love about this baseball season, and I think it's the most important baseball season since 1998, hmm. they, they needed rule changes. They had the young talent is so good. But one of the maybe the secondary or tertiary stories is this, is this guy in Florida who's trying to hit 400. And I just, you know, we can think back to the year Carew hit 388. He never really scared 400 in the second half. I recently looked that up. He was like in the 370s in September. Brett seemed like he had a legitimate chance. He ends up at 390. Gwynn famously hit 394 in the strike season. I know we're in the golden age of of fan graphs and baseball reference and and baseball prospectus and Joe Sheen and all this stuff. And that's great. And I'm all for being smarter. OK, but there's something about the, the stats that we grew up with on the back of the baseball card. I still Completely care. Agree. I would love it if somebody hit 400, whoever it was, whether it's Luis Arise or anybody else. I, I just I don't think he's going to do it. He's hitting 383 or whatever. And the relief pitching is so good. These guys are all fire breathing dragons. But I man, what I wouldn't give to have a 400 hitter in, the, in baseball today. Well, we talk about our respective team special seasons. The entire MLB season of 1994 flushed away some potential all-time moments. Yep. And Tony Gwynn was tracking right at 400 when that ended. Maddox was in line to put up a historic ERA, if I remember. I think he was right around where Bob Gibson landed. Mm-hmm. I think it was, or he was he was close to it at least, and Matt Williams was also tracking the break. Then Roger Maris's sixty-one home run record there. So much fun in the Montreal Expos. If that season the Expos, makes it, the Expos they have their go. best team ever, right? Yeah, right. Vladimir Guerrero and Marquise Grissom and um, Pedro was on that team. Larry no Walker. White Sox. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, they, they would have played the White Sox potentially, but if they win that World Series, you can make a case that there's no such thing as the Washington Nationals still. That the yeah. Expos, the juice would have been enough to keep them up there. Is Montreal ever going to have a baseball team again? Those are the rumors. They're they're getting going once again. Manfred says uh, there are a whole bunch of places. Nashville, I read. Portland seems like they're always in the mix for it. But I did just read Montreal is one of the uh, potential cities getting an MLB team at some point. Yeah, I'd like to see them go back there for sure. Spaghetti, any uh, any reason to raise a hand here on George Brett? 
No, it brought the answer. I mean, you said it best, Shaq. Like, Targenton's stats kind of got passed by just because of the eras. Although, you know, I am a, a, fr- a fan of Targenton, obviously being a giant, so I grew up with some stuff of his in the house. Um, I think Scott brought up Nick Mangle, though, which is an interesting one because, and I'm sure there's been centers with more all pros or pro bowls, but that guy was as good as it gets for his entire career. It's like if, if, if he, like, I don't know what centers have to do to win a position, but I feel like Mangle has as good a chance as like any other offense, interior offensive lineman on that list. This is, this out- is noble of you, Spaghetti, because you're you and the pasta clan is at odds with Nick Mangold, right? You went to your brother went to have him sign a shirt and he was dismissive or something no, like that. He, is that what he it was? did sign it. Uh, my brother grew up loving Nick Mangold. He played center in high school and college football. So he loved Nick and uh, Nick did sign it. Something he met. But then we did a show. It's you, me, Sal, whatever. Right. Brought the story up and Nick kind of like just didn't really engage and he kind of shut it down quickly. And it was a, a little awkward, but well, so that's classy of you. Still, still a great player. I want to throw out some Adam Wainwright trivia. He has the most Cy Young award shares of somebody who's never won the award, hmm. which I think now Garrett Cole will probably pass him if Cole contends for the Cy Young this year and doesn't win it. But right now, uh, Wainwright is the answer to that trivia question. I'll ask you, both of you guys, uh, a player who played a Hall of Famer, 70s, 80s, 90s. Who was the most MVP shares of somebody who never won the MVP award? Hall of Famer, played in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Ooh, Eddie Murray. Very good. I'm very impressed. I, I was going to give you a hint that he he has he has the same name as a, as a guy who scored a lot of points in the NFL. It was Eddie Murray. I'm very impressed. Wait a second. I was right? Yes. And also, as as seventies as super seventy sports points out, was also fantastic in Pulp Fiction. So there's a another piece of Eddie Murray trivia. But and he's duplicated; he's redundant in the world of sports because Eddie Mur- Murray was also a kicker for the Detroit Lions for exactly for sure for sure. And he kicked for a Super Bowl team too. Who I don't remember who that was at the end of his career. One of those weird like Eddie Murray's their kicker, and he's in the suit. I, I can't remember who that was for some reason. That's the the tough. I get the the tough question, and I can't remember who Eddie Murray kicked for. All right. Number 27, this one seems kind of obvious. Danny Marino, Dennis Rodman, Vida Blue, Joe Newendike. Joe Newendike, very good. How say you, Pianowski? I just wrote down Marino, and I stopped. Of course, of course. I think that's fair, right? Spaghetti, any, I, you didn't see a lot of Marino. You saw probably more Rodman. Any I, I've seen, no, I've seen Marino in person, too. Um, but, yeah, Marino's the answer. Although the, the worm is my favorite NBA player of all time. Did we skip 28, by the way? Yeah, we did. Oh, did we I did. skip yeah. past 20? I see I'm already making mistakes. So you don't have to worry about your list. I'm a dope uh, who screws stuff up all the time there, uh, Pianowski. Um, at 28, we have Derek Brooks. This is, this is okay, here's our first kind of tough one, I think. Derek Brooks, Daryl Green, Tony Parker. Lee Smith, we can forget about him, great as he was. And Mike Richter, here's a, here's a crazy thing to me. This is one of those guys I'm like, what? Mike Richter's not in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, Mike Richter's not in the Hall of Fame. How could that possibly be? Either way, how say you, Pianowski? I went with Derek Brooks. I also just gave a courtesy mention to Corey Perry, although I wouldn't give Corey Perry the nod, but I think Derek Brooks is the right answer. That's where, that's where I went to. I just thought, though, that Derek Brooks, I'm trying to weigh like how they're mentioned among their peers. So Derek Brooks is considered one of the great, uh, you know, ta- or maybe the greatest Tampa two linebacker that the world's ever seen. But Daryl Green still gets a lot of buzz in that cornerback conversation. I don't think ultimately, though, he's probably in the top six or so. I went with Derek Brooks too. spaghetti. How say you? I mean, you know, I'd love to say Richter, but, sure, um, but he's not I, in the hall. He's on the Hall of Fame. Derek Brooks is. Derek Brooks, obviously, one of the best, uh, you know, outside linebackers. So, I mean, he's the answer. Okay. At 26, we have Ray Lewis, Alan Fanica, Vlade Divots, Alan Trammell, and Claude L. Yeah, I'm just glad when I, I have some guys on my name on my list that you didn't name. Joe DeLamalure, uh, offensive lineman who's also okay. a Hall of Famer. I have, I'm not going to go with him, but this to Spell me. Spell it. Was, then I'll be impressed. <laughs> I, I think I have it spelled correctly. Joe D is what he was called all through his career. But uh, Ray Lewis, I think, is the obvious choice here. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think it's noble on my part that I even gave a shout out to Claude L. Fake Lemieux. It's, it's a disgrace that the NHL let him skate around for the. Can't believe I shook that guy's hand. I know. I what, know. A, Cla- what a Claude what a, the fraud. Horrible. And he, and he wore that name. 
Talk about fraudulence. Wore that name on his back? Shame the devil. Let's move along. Yeah, I have Ray Lewis, and uh, there's no way Spaghetti's going to disagree with that one. So at 25, this category, this this draft slot is saved by one name here. Mm -hmm. Stanley Morgan, number 86, New England Patriot. One of my favorite guys inexplicably when I was growing up. Me too. I loved him and Wesley Walker. Those two guys in that era were fantastic. And Stanley Morgan was very good in his 30s, too. Oh, he was great. And you know what's funny about um, Wesley Walker, much as Tom Brady uh, was a six-round draft pick and Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard, there was never a game that that, that Wesley Walker played in where it didn't get mentioned that he was blind. Legally blind in one eye, for sure. (laughs) He's an NFL wide receiver, and he's legally blind. But also from your Patriots youth, um, Andre Tippett, they never went a game without mentioning that he knew Taekwondo. Karate, yep, karate, whatever it was. Yep. That's a that's um, a draft in and of itself. Or your Julian Edelman was a quarterback in college, and yeah, you know, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, some so of those we things. go Stanley Morgan, Mark Price on a great Georgia Tech team before he went to the Cavs and was a mainstay there on some real who was who was in his backcourt? Who was his backcourt mate at Georgia Tech? Bruce Dalrymple. Oh, very imp- you you're the best man. How about that spaghetti? John Sally in the pivot. Um, And uh, so there's Mike, uh, there's Mark Price, Mike Trout, and then David Posternock. How say you, Pianowski? Yeah, I also mentioned Matt Cain as a courtesy, but Mike Trout's the obvious answer here. Yeah, Trout. Um, You you know what, though? I got to say this. I'm I'm getting nervous that Mike Trout is going to have the Ken Griffey Jr., career arc where he's un, he's like the face of baseball for a decade. And then it's like, what happened to Mike Trout? You know, what did his body, he has kind of a football body. He stops mm-hmm. stealing bases, which is fine. Defense isn't quite as good as it used to be. Average isn't quite as good as it used to be. He seems to get hurt a lot. I know the most recent injury was being hit by a pitch that can happen to anybody, but I'm just nervous that the Mike Trout dismount may not, may not be that much fun. Oh, well, we'll get a chance to revisit that broader conversation when we get all the way up to number one here because there are a few guys that are kind of tracking to have that you know you know i'm gonna get Ken Griffey I, I'm, junior dan marino kind of thing and still yeah. you know land is one of the all-time greats but without i'm, I'm gonna tease you right now uh dear listeners that i think i have a controversial pick at the one slot i don't think everybody's gonna agree with me i'm curious to see how you guys come down but that's you know we're a long way away from that don't worry i have the right answer for that one Spoiler okay good alert on that at number 24 you have aaron Rodgers. Ed Reed, Kyle Lowry, Andre Kirilenko, one of the great uh, nicknames in sports history, if nothing else, AK 47. Sam Cassell deserves a shout out, I guess. Latrell Sprewell has fallen through the cracks of history um, a little bit. I mean, the thing everybody knows about him is something bad, but boy, man, it took him, it took, it seemed like three strides to get from one end of the floor to the other when he was in his prime playing for those Knickerbockers and for the Warriors before. Walker Bueller and then Mike Richards, my favorite flyer. If I ever had a favorite flyer, it was Mike Richards. Really liked the way he played. How say you, Pianowski, for best number 24 ever? I also gave a courtesy mention to Terry Porter, who was just a, a one of those Hall of Very nice, Good yeah. Guys. I love Hall of Very Good Guys. Not a Hall of Famer, though. With all respect to Ed Reed, who was just a dynamic football player and somebody you were always petrified of going up against him, I think this has to be Aaron Rodgers. I think it has to be Rodgers, too. But I did really think that this might be a debate because Ed Reed is at wor- at worst the second greatest safety or third. He's in the top three best safeties of the Super Bowl era. I assume that we all agree that it's him, um, Palomalu, and Ronnie Lott. Or am I... Uh, overestimating Palomalu's place. No, those sound like the guys to me. So if he's one of the three best at his position and Aaron Rodgers is kind of dropping over the last couple of years, it feels like to me a little bit. I don't know if that's because of his off the field stuff that he's diminished a little bit or or what it is. But yeah, I, I mean, listen, I'm with you. Aaron Rodgers is the answer there. But It's I one of those things that if somebody said Reed, I wouldn't violently say you're wrong. You know, I think Ed yeah. Reed is a very is a is a very good answer, a very strong answer. And then I I, I thought maybe there's a chance you might have come down with Reed, but man, Green Bay. I I know this gets said to the death, but they get they get Favre. Atlanta screws up and trades Favre, and then you know, most of the NFL screws up and doesn't draft Rodgers. So the, these two generational quarterbacks fall on your lap, and you have two championships to show for it. It just it blows my. And not only that, they didn't go to that. You'd think, oh well, they probably went to a bunch of them. Maybe they lost some classic games. It really wasn't like that either. I. It's amazing how. 
Aaron Rodgers just loves losing the NFC Championship game. Maybe this year he'll lose the AFC Championship game. But oh. the bag is light in the playoffs, my friend. Way, way I, the the fact that all of New York and Jets fans specifically, and Aaron Rodgers himself, have all skipped over the fact that he hasn't been to a Super Bowl since 2010 is really hysterical to me. Like this is the savior. Yeah, you, you know it's been 12, 13 years, right, everybody? Um. Either way, I'm I'm looking forward to him on Hard Knocks, watching that whole show on Hard Knocks. For sure. This is going to be a dandy one. At number 23, not a great uh, not a great group here in this draft slot. Ty Law. Did we get that right, though, Spaghetti Aaron Rodgers over Ed Reed? It has to be. You have, you have to take the generational quarterback over the generational, you know, different position, and then plus the value of getting Rodgers that late. I mean, yeah, that's the answer. Okay. 23, you go Ty Law, a Hall of Famer, uh, and Al Equip Equip, by the way, too. Ozzie Newsome. Alex English, Christian Yelich, and Ray Whitney. Like I say, not a really deep uh, group here. How say you, Pianowski? Yeah, I, I gave courtesy mentions to Deuce McAllister and Tard Bertuzzi. They're not the right answer. To me, it was Newsom or Law, and I went with Ozzie Newsom. Maybe I'm just giving him credit because he's been a respected executive outside of his playing career. But if you wanted to go Law, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I went Ozzie Newsom too. So far, we're in lockstep with all of these. It is funny, you know, that little wrinkle in the Rust Belt AFC North that they move as they draft um, uh, the big uh, Jonathan Ogden and then Ray Lewis in the first round in their first go round in Baltimore. And then they, in short order, win a Super Bowl. Imagine if Ozzie Newsome, the legendary Browns tight end, is the general manager as he finally delivers a Lombardi to the city of Cleveland, how meaningful that would have been. Instead, you have the, you have the Baltimore Ravens doing it and Cleveland still scuffling along all these years later. It's a little sad. That NFL network did a great documentary about the final Brown season. And a lot of people forget. Everybody remembers mm-hmm. that Belichick was the coach, but sports illustrated picked the Browns to win the AFC that year. And I, mm-hmm. I, I always believe that team was just torpedoed by Modell and all the negative juju and everything. And of course they end up with a losing record. Belichick's fired. looks like his head coaching career might've ended before it really got started. He did get the one playoff game with the Browns, but our one playoff trip with the Browns, but that fascinating season of, of what, oh, if, good, what, what, what if, good, what if, what yeah. if, yeah. At number 22, this is an intriguing one to me, Justin Jefferson. Reggie Lewis, Craig Biggio, Rafael Palmero, and Brian Trottier. How say you on this one? Just for fun, because he was my favorite pitcher growing up. I also mentioned Bruce Hurst. He's not the right answer. I went back and forth on this. I actually changed my answer on this. I was going to go Biggio, but then I'm like, you know what? Trottier was the captain of a team that won four straight championships and went to five straight finals. So I changed my mind and, and went with Brian Trottier. Listen, I love what old man Trotz delivered from the third line with uh, a young Yarmir Yager on for his sure. wing, a pivotal role for those uh, for those two time Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. I went here with because I'm projecting ahead a little bit. Justin Jefferson, he's the best receiver in pro football for the last, you know, I know what Cooper Cup did a couple of years ago, but I think that Jefferson has emerged as the clear cut in a in a, you know, fantasy and otherwise, he's the clear cut best wide out. And, you know, that was something that was a uh, an annual award, what, depending on what year you were talking about was New Copkins one year, no Odell Beckham another and so on and so forth. But I feel like it's pretty clear that there's not any debate that Justin Jefferson is the man now. Is that crazy to, to put that I, on him? I think you can say that, but my hot take is we're going to be saying that about Jamar Chase 12 months from now. Also, when you talk about best receiver alive today. I go back and forth. You ever see the Virgin Suicides where they go back and forth over everything that happened like 30 years ago? Yeah, right. I go back and forth with John Jefferson and try to figure out what happened to this guy. He was the god of the NFL. He was a somebody who could be on the cover of Sports Illustrated out of season. And then he gets traded to Green Bay, was so-so for a couple of years. He has like one cup of he had coffee one with good the year up there with Lynn Dickey. One, one, one good nice year with year. Dickey. Yeah, and obviously James Lofton, who was a Hall of Famer. But – I mean, could it all have just been Fouts and Coriel? Uh, and man, they did they make make Coriel wait forever to get in the Hall of Fame, which was just a travesty. The the fact the fact that Steve Sable didn't get into the Hall of Fame until after he was passed that, that, that will always make me upset. He's the reason people make the Hall of Fame. But you talk about the best receiver alive this minute. I I, I know that it was John Jefferson in the late seventies. I just don't know where it all went wrong. I you know I love me some Lynn Swan. I, you know, I'm a Larry Fitzgerald uh, uh, supporter since the pit days, 
but the most dynamic, spectacular pass catcher I've ever seen was John Jefferson with those San Diego Chargers teams. Just week after week and those cool goggles he wore, he had it all going. The uniform. And then he got great, replaced yeah. by Wes Chandler. Wes Chandler was also awesome to watch. And Chandler has one of my favorite hidden seasons, that strike season when the NFL gave the yes. MVP to Mark Mosley, where Chandler went over a thousand yards in nine games. I just, I, it, Shaq, it kills me. What would Dwight Evans have done in 1981 without a strike? Or what would Wes Chandler have done in 1982 without a strike? Would he have, who knows, maybe he'd be a quasi Hall of Famer. But I think he had over a thousand yards in an eight or nine game, nine game season, I want to say. And maybe I think Fouts probably should have been that MVP. You're absolutely right. And Pittsburgh had him beat in three river stadium. That was the weird, that was that super playoffs. I forget what they called it. Super wild card or something like that. Or no, wait, is that what they, (laughs) yeah, that was, I I was at that game. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now it's the super wild card. I don't remember what they called the wacky playoff. Eight teams made it in each, each conference. Yeah. 82. Right. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that was the last shout that Terry Bradshaw and the Steelers had as as that group. Um, at 21, I think. Oh, by the way, Spaghetti, what uh, what do you say on that one? I think this is the toughest one you had so far. I would not give it to Jefferson just because the way I'm grading yeah. this is exactly. And I'm not going to, you know, it's one thing to, you know, you could talk about LeBron James' career because you've seen the bulk of it. But Justin Jefferson is just, he's too fresh in his career. If he stops playing football tomorrow, obviously not going to be that. I think Trotz, I mean, a hell of a career, like over 100 points, six or seven seasons, like a bunch of awards, Calder, Hart, bunch of all-stars. But I also think Rafael Pamir, I know the whole steroid stuff, but his batting average for a power hitter, super high, bunch of gold gloves, 569 home runs, like 1,800 ribbies. I think if you did a coin flip between Trottier or or Palmero, I think I'm fine either way, but I think those guys, I guess I'll give it a Trottier uh, just because of no allegations, but I you know steroids were illegal. But Palmero, I mean, if you don't care about that, the juice, I mean, that's that's some career. Man, I it it is wild to me because Giambi, people forget that, and I point to it all the time. Giambi said the day he got caught, like, okay, I did it. It was a mistake. Rafael Palmeiro did that finger wagon thing, and people resent him for that. And it's a little outsized at this point because some guys have been exposed for doing steroids. And okay, fine, if you accept responsibility. But how far are we going to take this up on Mount Pius here, everybody? Rafael Palmeiro is this forgotten figure of the uh, of MLB 90s feels unfair at this point. If, right? Pete Ro- if Pete Rose, when it all came down on him in the late 80s, had said, look, I'm a compulsive gambler. I have a problem. I, I need to get in control of this. I, I, w- I want to come out and look, I'm, you know, I'm on the minus three podcast. I, I have nothing against gambling as long as it's done reasonably. Don't, you know, bet your rent money. But if Pete Rose just admitted what he did, his, his sins against baseball, he would have been in the hall of fame so fast. Bart, a Bartlett Giamatti did not want to suspend Rose. And then of course, after it all comes down, Giamatti dies eight days later, which is just awful. Um, if, if you're caught red handed with something, just confess. We'll, we'll, everybody will forget in 15 seconds. It really is a good life lesson for the kids. At number 21, we have Randy Moss, Rajan Rondo, Rick Sutcliffe, and Denny Marouk. How say you? Yeah, also uh, a nod to Wins Woolfork, Chandler Jones, and Alex Mack. Uh, you mentioned it's hard for centers sometimes to get the pub they deserve, but this could have been just Randy Moss. Next question. Exactly. Nothing to say on that one, right, Spaghetti? It's Moss. At number 20, we have the great Jack Youngblood, a delightful character. Number 85 is cool. Uh, played with the broken leg. Everybody yep. knows that story. Sure. A Hall of Famer and all of that. Larry Nance was the best NBA guy I could come up with. I know him best because of his son. But, well, not best. But I remember in the when they brought back the dunk contest for the first time in the 80s, he... Lost to Dr. J in the final, or did he beat Dr. J? He won. J? I think he won, the, he won the first one they brought back, I believe. And it was lame, right? It was kind of lame, if I remember correctly. Larry Nance's dunks weren't that spectacular in that one, but that's the best I, I can tell you about him. Then Mike Mussina and Marty Brodeur. This one seems straightforward. How say you? Well, let me, let me double check on somebody, because I have somebody really good who I picked Uh-oh. who you don't have, and I just want to make sure I didn't screw up. I, I had Tom Seaver here. What? I miss Tom Seaver? Well, you know That's what? Here's here, here here's the thing. Um he was the 20th overall pick in a draft class. I guess he didn't sign. So I guess Seaver technically doesn't count. No, no, no. We can count Seaver for this. This is a fun one. 
And I don't like doing this. Believe me, I hate the New Jersey Devils. And I think Marty Brodeur is overrated when people mm-hmm. say he's the greatest of all time. Wasn't the best of his era. Pat Patty Wall was better than he was. That said, he's in the top three, I guess, is Brodeur. And that's better than where I would put Tom Seaver. You shook me with the Seaver. He's more iconic is Seaver, but I think Marty Brodeur resonates as the greater player in his sport. I'll say I, al- I also, by the way, had uh, Michelle Goulet and Brent Burns on my list. I think Goulet's in the Hall of Fame. He certainly should be. I, if Seaver counts, I mean, he was a 20th pick of the Atlanta Braves, didn't didn't sign with the Braves. If Seaver counts, I would go with Seaver. If he doesn't count, I'm fine with Brodeur. Although, look, you and I, friend of the puck, hockey guys, I, I know New Jersey was really successful, but they did everything possible to kill a fat. They, they, what's the line from Almost Famous where they would take rock and roll and strangle everything you love out of it? That's basically what the New Jer- Jersey Devils tried to do in the late well, nineties. It's I horrible. Hate I hate them more than I, I than I hate almost any team in any sport. I hate the Islanders. I hate the Flyers. The the Rags. I'm not keen on. The Capitals are kind of like as they they amuse me. But yeah, I, I hate those. But, you know, I think the name that resonates in hockey is Marty Brodeur. Spaghetti, break this tie. This is our first real tiebreaker here. Well, before the Seaver news, I was going to say, uh, I mean, maybe it's the Yankees bias, but Mike Messina, not a bad career, kind of gets overlooked in the era. Uh, if you're going to compare pitchers, obviously, Seaver blows him away. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to pick Brodeur, but I feel like it's kind of if you don't have him, he has to be at least a top three goalie. Uh, and I don't know if Seaver's a top three pitcher. So I think, you know, uh, I, I guess it's Brodeur. You have to cast the tying vote here. I'm going to give mean, you Seaver's, guys Brian Trotchy. I'm giving you that one. Seaver is just like, I mean, his like obviously Hall of Fame, three time Cy Young, rookie of the year, 12 time All Star, three time like uh, best DRA. Like he has. Everything, but I, I don't know. I just feel like Brodeur, uh, it was kind of the goal. I mean, he was just not like the face of the NHL, but like through the late 90s, early 2000s, like Brodeur was one of the guys and he was just, uh, and he won all those cups for the, for the Devils. I feel like it's you know hard what? to not pick him. I, I like that. And you know what? As a tiebreaker, someone dropped a line earlier today about this before we began this endeavor to say like he didn't even play or his best years weren't. Uh, weren't for the team that drafted him. Maybe that should be the tiebreaker. Then, if Tom Seaver got drafted and he never even played for that yep. team, then then let's uh, let's go with Brodeur there. And number yeah. nineteen, go ahead. I can live with that. Also, I just love the fact that Mike Messina was always around twenty wins, never got it until his final season when he won twenty games. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a fun little wrinkle. Also, had like seven gold gloves too from as a pitcher, which is and a uh, really cool, weird. just a really cool guy. One time they asked him, like, you know, pitching at Camden Yards, pretty hitter friendly. He's like, oh, whatever. I allow some home runs. We win the game anyway. You know, who cares? Um, at number nineteen, we have Marvin Harrison. We have Tiny Archibald, who is one of the uh, who's the answer to one of the most common tough trivia questions out there. You have Roger Clemens and you have Keith Kachuk. How say you, Pianowski? You also mentioned Bobby Gritch, Randall McDaniel, Roger Worley, and Andre Vasilevsky, who may be more impactful on this list down the road, but mm-hmm. I, it has to be Clemens. Clemens has a case sure. for the best modern pitcher of all time. You know, my answer to that one, the guy who I feel like everybody knows is one of the greats, but I feel like statistically isn't respected, or given the numbers, isn't held up as high as he should be, is Randy Johnson. His dominance is right there with uh, Pedro Martinez or anyone else's. I mean, he's in a mostly hitter-friendly era during his career, and he dominates. And there's a big distinction between what Randy Johnson and the second best pitcher was doing in a number of years. But anyway, yes, I'm not, I'm not discounting. Yeah. Four straight, um, four straight. The the thing that's weird about Johnson is he really didn't put his career together until it was like halfway over. Yeah. Right. right? He was much better. You talk about guys who were much better in their thirties and their twenties, like Dwight Evans, like Paul Molitor finally stayed healthy. Um, Johnson was one of those guys. He was a guy who would walk the ballpark. And then all of a sudden he had unbelievable control. And you look at his baseball reference page, it's a sea of black ink. And Kurt Schilling's not in the hall of fame because he's a kind of a knucklehead. But the other thing that probably kept him out of the hall of fame is he had Cy Young seasons and Randy Johnson was just a little bit better in all of those seasons. So Kurt Schilling never won a Cy Young award. 
And uh, yeah, John Johnson was ridiculous. And then, you know, he adds the, the perfect game. He, he gets the 300 wins again, coming up very late in his career. He didn't have a double digit win season until he was 26 and he still hmm. wins 303 ball games. He was fantastic. That slider looked unhittable. I guess Frank Gore would be that in the NFL. Alex Smith as a first overall pick was, uh, was a bust for deep into his career, Jim Plunkett. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Okay. This may be, please excuse me names. I'm about to read off here, but this is the worst group there is. I only have two guys. I only listed two guys. So yeah, I thought it was week two. (laughs) Number 18. Uh, no, no argument on Clem. Wow. Spaghetti's a, a Yankees fan. That's probably one of the first ones you remember watching your Yanks get is with Clemens, right? Spaghetti. So you're not going to go against that. Well, yeah, this Clemens, uh, again, if you don't care about steroids, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, the iconic uh, Susan Waldman screaming like Roger Clemens is in George's box during the day game when they announced he's coming back. That was a uh, pretty exciting. Robbie Cano had to give him over his number. Yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday. He threw half a bat at Mike Piazza. Boy, that's that's a great one. See, there are too many memories for us to celebrate all of them, but that was one of the wackier episodes. You know what Number I really eight, enjoyed? I, I'm a Red Sox fan, right? But I think yeah. the Clemens I enjoyed the most was Clemens in Houston. I always thought, why did do the Nolan Ryan? Go go back to Texas. Go mm-hmm. back to Houston. Play for one of those teams. And I, I enjoyed Clemens most, who I still think is kind of a lunkhead, but um, undeniably great. I enjoyed his Astros moments the most. I remember why I'm so old. I remember watching him in the College World Series with Texas and Billy Texas. Bates at second base and uh, all the rest of that team. At number 18, we have Art Monk, Paul Kraus, Joe Dumars, Corey Seager, and Glenn Murray was the best name I could find from the NHL. How say you? Yeah, I only put down Dumars and Monk, and to me, it has to be Dumars. I put Kraus because, you know, he's so high up there in the all-time interception interceptions list. And Art Monk was a qu- – both Monk and Kraus were dicey Hall of Fame candidates. I will go I, – I, I actually bolded Kraus here because of the career number versus what Monk has in terms of, like, where he stacks up statistically – but I'm not going to argue. I'll, I'll agree with you on Monk there. Spaghetti, you didn't. Uh, you wouldn't have seen Art Monk really play. Right? No, I actually said Dumars. No, by the way. Oh, you said Dumars. I did. Oh. And, and for, for you know why? Because yeah, he's wow. the guy. He was, he was on that second dream team, and everybody was arguing about minutes. And Dumars quietly went to the coaching staff and volunteered to play less, so other guys could play more. I just love glue guys. Did a nice job running the the Pistons for a while. Another interesting tri- piece of trivia about Monk: he was the first Washington first round pick in forever. Because George Allen was always trading away all of his picks. They, they'd have the NFL draft and Washington would have like a sixth or seventh round pick and that would be it. They'd have nothing. And then Art Monk out of Syracuse was a first round pick and there was a ton of pressure on him. He ended up having a compiler career. Mark Monk never felt like the best receiver in the NFL at any moment in time. But he, you know, he played for a long time. He was consistent. He stayed healthy. And that those are certainly important things. But I, I Dumars is actually the guy I went with. But you know what? I mean, Krause, the interception record and everything. I. I think Kraus might be the right answer. I, I'm wondering if I if I botch this taking Dumars. I don't think Monk is right though. Spaghetti, break this tie for us. I actually was going to go with Joe Dumars um, way, way, way back before I even met Yushek at the NFL. I used to work for SiriusXM NBA and used to work with a guy named Rick Mahorn, uh, who was part yeah. of those bad boy Pistons. So uh, I actually. Yeah, and uh, one of the best dudes around too. I love Rick Morton, but um, learned a lot about those uh, those Piston teams. And I also think if he wasn't playing in that era, he'd be appreciated more. A really solid career, and even still productive late in his career. So I actually would side with Dumars. Okay, you know what? We'll 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 pencil in Dumars. I, this is one we're going to have to put out to the Czech Republic for a final answer. This is this is a bum group. I think we can agree on that, though. Relatively speaking, at number seventeen, we have Emmett Smith, Sean Kemp. Roy Halliday and Bobby Clark. I think the answer is obvious, but I'm now not going to be stunned, Pianowski, if you go in a different direction here. It has to be Emmett Smith. Okay, good. Okay, good. So no, we don't have to. And by the way, at least one of Bobby Clark's MVPs belongs to Bobby Orr. That he, I, I know he was he was the leader of that team, and he was you know, overcame diabetes, much like Bobby Jones, another Philadelphia athlete, overcame diabetes to be a great player and everything. But Bobby Clark would get so much credit and a little, maybe a couple of phony assists here and there. I, I didn't love that Flyers team. I, I know Hammer Schultz was a kind of a fun guy and everything. He briefly played for the Penguins, I want to say. Yes, he did. I watched Emmett him Smith play in the blue. 
Emmett Smith at one point, it, not that everybody would agree, but at one point you might have said he was the best running back in NFL history, or it's certainly on the Mount Rushmore. That that matters to me. I'm glad you mentioned Doc Holliday too, who was just one of my favorite pitchers. And man, we lost him too soon. Yeah, we did. And uh, not that it matters, but boy, I he carried my fantasy teams in my uh, dynasty league for a number of years in a row with, with the Jays and then uh, down with the Phillies. Bobby Clark, I'm amused by he's the greatest Philadelphia flyer of all time. And he may or may not make the Pens fourth line if I cobble together the best Penguins team I possibly can in history. He may not be good enough to even be a fourth line center. Uh, behind Lemieux and Crosby. And, and such an awful cheap shot in the 72 Canada Cup. Come on, show some class, Bobby Clark. They, they, they don't know how. They're from Philadelphia. All right, so Emmett Smith is clearly there. 16, this is sort of interesting. I know where you're going to go here. At 16, yep. Jerry Rice, Troy Polamalu, Zach Martin, Javon Kirst, John Stockton, Sean Green is the only baseball player of note. Real Well, there was somebody else, I can't remember. And Dave Andrichuk, how say you? Yeah, I also had Lance Berkman on that list, another Hall of very good guy. Um, With all apologies to Stockton and Paul Malu, who were terrific players. Andrew Chuck, you know, a a prolific goal scorer. It's it's obviously Jerry Rice. Yeah, I'm not going to belabor it. But Troy Paul so if he were the best safety of all time, that still wouldn't stack up to Jerry Rice's deeds, who is in the conversation still as one of the three or five best football players ever. Right. He's, I mean, he's one of he's one of the four best players I've ever seen, unquestionably, and period, full stop. I've talked to peers who will say Randy Moss was a tick better, but it's hard to find the corner who covered Rice in his prime and Moss in his prime. And so you can get swayed by that conversation, but you have to keep in mind, like, yeah, but when you were going up against Randy Moss, Jerry Rice was doing it for the Raiders or he was in late stages with the Niners when T.O. was emerging and all that. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear. Rice, another guy, remarkable what he did in the second and third acts of his career. He was really good with the Raiders. I will say this about Moss. Moss had maybe more trickle-down ripple effect where once Randy Moss popped, the goal of defense became we can't allow an 80-yard touchdown in every play because Randy Moss is threatening to do that to us. So the Tampa 2 was born because you had to, be, okay, we, we'll give them the short stuff. We can't get beat over the top constantly. This guy will do that to us. But at one point, I thought there was a strong case that Jerry Rice was the best football player I'd ever seen. And even if I don't necessarily hold that now, again, he's on my Mount Rushmore. He's, he's still the number the number one receiver on my board. Well, we'll get to the guy who I think might deserve the title best football player of all time in in a little bit here. Um, But yeah, the thing I always say, and I've talked to Eric Dickerson and Jerry Rice about this is they both made it look too easy. They had that upright Michael Johnson, the sprinter running style that made it look like I can't remember either guy. I don't remember Jerry Rice ever having to lay out to catch a ball. It was always in stride. I don't remember him ever going to the ground. Same thing with Eric Dickerson. I don't remember him ever having to truck anybody. He was always just running by by guys all the time. Uh, remarkable. Both Legendary workout guy. And also, he was never thought of as like this raw sprinter. But did you ever see Jerry Rice caught from behind? I never yeah, did. Yeah, right. Right. Um, at number 15, Alan Page, Giannis, Kawhi, Steve Nash, Jim Rice, Mike Bossy, and Joe Sackick. This could be good. How say you? I wanted so badly to pick Sackick. I also put some courtesy uh, notes on Eric Carlson and Chase Utley, although they're not the right guy. Al McGinnis, I don't know if you mentioned him or not. It's, I it's didn't Gian- mention Al McGinnis. You're right. It's Giannis for me. Um, Helen Page with the, the MVP in 1970, a defensive player, only one of two defensive players to win MVP. Sorry, J.J. Watt. It's going to oh, be honest. It's going to be honest. tiebreaker now, Spaghetti, because I got Mike Bossy. I go the three greatest pure goal scorers that I've seen. Lemieux, Ovechkin, and Mike Bossy. I mean, Mike Bossy was, was a machine um, and uh, until – he was unwell. Spaghetti, break this tie for us here. I'm interested. I thought you might go Sackick over Bossy. I did not see Giannis. Maybe, maybe I'm overthinking it though. Hmm. Yeah, this is um, this is probably now the toughest one. I mean, the the problem between Sackick and and Bossy is that obviously, I mean, like Sackick has the superior stats. He has more goals and he has more points. Um, but I understand what you're saying, Shaq. And I think with <clears throat> with this, the NBA guys. Um, 
especially with Giannis more so than Kawhi. I think Kawhi is pretty much in like the back nine of his career now, but Giannis could still in the foreseeable future, win a few more MVPs, win a few more titles, which would then elevate him even well past Steve Nash, who like, oh man. I think yeah, because that's what mu- that's what mucks everything up. Is it Steve Nash is the guy who has the most uh, uh, MVP trophies on this list? I think exactly. of all the guys we're looking at, like he's you, the you know worst what though? Of the I, names I, I said. I feel like, and oh, I loved Mike Bossy. I loved Joe Sakic, but Bossy, unfortunately, he, the peak of his career intersects with Gretzky. And at any point, if you had a hundred hockey fans, who's the best player in the league? Gretzky was always going to win. Giannis for a very long period of time. If you get 100 NBA fans of different sophistication levels, who's the best player in the league? He would have been the right answer for a longer period of time than anybody else on this list could say it for them. Okay, you've swayed me, and I like the currency of it. So let's go with Giannis there, unless you have a, a big argument against doing so, Spaghetti. No, I, I think I think Sagic is the answer for also because the era he played in. I think Sagic's the answer for the NHL guys, and I think Giannis hmm. will eventually overtake Steve Nash as the better overall resume when the career is done. I, I like I said, I don't think Kawhi's going to be much of a threat anymore. Um, I think Giannis, you're at this point, you could actually prorate his career to say that he will be the most successful from that draft slot. So I'm, I'm cool with Giannis. Two great okay. things about Sackick. One, they win the championship in Colorado. And he says, this belongs to Raymond Bork before I skate around with it. Just an all-time class move. Also, in charge of the avalanche. He said a few years ago, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said, yes, we want to win. We want to compete for championships, but we have an obligation to play entertaining hockey. In other words, we're not the New Jersey freaking devils. I'll always love Joe Sackick. That The killer moment. The Devils winning the 95 Cup. Spaghetti's heard me talk about this ad nauseum and is surely tired of it, as is the listener. I'm saying it anyway. The 95 Devils Cup begets the Florida Panthers joining the league in 96 and playing that exact same skill-free brand of clutch and grab through the neutral zone. The hockey gods did wrong by the NHL when they let the Florida Panthers survive the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins. You could have had... Lemieux Penguins with Ronnie Francis playing at the height of his powers, Yager too, against that Avs team. That would have been something that would have turned the sport into something completely different than the dead puck decade that we had to endure and really almost killed the sport. That's basically that the, the, N- the NHL's version of we got cheated from the Vikings Broncos Super Bowl, right? Where Gary yeah, Anderson right. missed the kick. That's the NHL's version of that. Everybody wanted to see those two teams just play seven to six hockey. And Unfortunately, with all the expansion and, and and it's really simple with hockey. Like once my Bruins are eliminated, I wrote I root for the team in the coldest weather climate. It's really simple. If and this year was a bad year for that. All these warm weather, and I know Vegas is a really good fan base, and I respect a lot of their players. But I want original six winners. I want cold weather teams to win hockey championships, and I want teams that try to possess the puck, don't dump it and chase it. I want teams that try to play the hockey that Joe Sakic wants to play. That's what hockey should be. That's what I want Eric Carlson for. People say like, oh, there'd be a double down on on poor defensive defensemen. So what? We have our cups already. Let me. You know the best, def- you know the best defense is the best defense is to have the puck. Paul, you know, Paul Coffey's probably the most underrated. I'm not saying he's the best defenseman. I mean, I grew up in Boston, of course. I'm never going to say that. But Paul Coffey's idea of defense is I have the puck and you don't. That's right. See, you know what, Pianowski, you and me, by the end of this episode, we may have to run off together and get married and live on our own because I don't I like where your head's at. Spaghetti gets mad when I say I root for the northernmost team in any matchup. And now a quick break. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Spaghetti. A lot of juicy conversation in there, I think. I don't know. I can never tell. I'm officially an old. But one thing you got to say, Spaghetti, pat on the back to Dave Damashek. How about how I nailed both of those trivia questions? Those were sprung on me. Those weren't planned. I want I want a parade. Yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. You and Scott definitely are, are wealth of uh, sports trivia knowledge there. I have to say also pretty um, not a lot of he- the, the debates never got heated. It was like, all right, you guys, I voted me. That's it. Moving on. And, and I guess my favorite chunk of it, while not part of the uh, the list, was just hearing Scott's uh, wrap up to the Boston Bruins season, his, you know, whatever, eight minute <laughs> monologue. Um, that's a true <laughs> hockey fan. You know, some people who work in sports lose the fandom. You could tell that Scott did not lose his um, goes through the entire season, the roster, the changes and, and the doom that's kind of uh, on the on the horizon while also seeing your former coach who just fired <laughs> go win a Stanley Cup with the then expansion team. Um, that is um, I'm, I'm not, you know, not that I had a great end of a season with uh, my Rangers, but as somebody who uh, you know knows a lot of Bruins fans, um, Scott just really hit the nail on the head there. So that was uh, I get not really enjoyable to watch, but I, I totally get where he's coming from. We have to uh, we haven't done a good job because I've been um, unavailable a fair amount the last uh, few weeks and everything. We got to lean in and figure out. I guess we have until October to really when when all hash is settled before the drop of the puck. But uh, this free agency period and draft were pretty interesting as far as I could tell. New era in Pittsburgh, obviously. So I'm extra intrigued by that and the demise of the Bruins and what it all means. We'll lean into all that as we get closer and closer to autumn time here. In the meantime, in the month of July, having some fun doing these sorts of exercises that I enjoy. I hope you enjoy uh, make sure if you are a listener, if you're hearing my voice right now, please drop us a line at minus three pods, spread the good word about the show and drop us a line with what we got right, what we got wrong. We'll try to get some polls out there for you as well, because we do now need to lean on you to settle some tiebreakers here that we just went through there. You just heard them. We appreciate you listening there. Make sure you're listening to all the great product. On the Extra Points Network, football season's getting ever closer, everybody. Make sure you're getting subscribed to all the shows so you get right in time for your fantasy draft and beyond. We'll be back on the other side of the sports weekend. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Scott Pianowski, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.